Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone, for another special edition here at Hockey Night in New York, celebrating the 50-year anniversary of New York Islanders. Chris Botta and I have a very special guest coming up, Mr. Glenn Healy. You might remember him from the great 1993 run to the conference finals. He's going to be joining us in a little while to talk about his time with the Isles. Going to be great stuff. So, folks, real quick, I want to... Reminds you all that we're proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and of course, UBS Arena at Belmont. Check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com. And of course, happy to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. So folks, we're going to go right to that break. When we come back, Glenn Healy will be joining us. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. You're not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu, you can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. And we're back and we are joined by an essential leader of those 92-93 Islanders and a great Islander of the early 90s, and that's Glenn Healy. How you doing, Heels? Chris, so good to hear your lovely voice. Yes. Same, same uh, here. Those were good times, right? Like, oh. that, was, uh, that was a memorable time. 
in history. Yeah, I mean, just the group too, right? And I think the fans felt that as well. But could you explain, like, what it was? I mean, so many of those guys like yourself work in the league now too, right? Tommy's a GM and guys are all over the league. But, like, what a unique group of characters. Well, I I look back and I think, okay, let's start with the, the star of the show, which was Al Arbor. Al was a guy that I don't think you're going to find a player anywhere that's not going to say he wasn't a second father. And wasn't that a great thing to say about a man who, okay, forget X's and O's, forget good stick in the lane, forget matchups, just laid it out to make you a better ambassador in your world. And that was Al. Okay. And then, you know, that team we had with the Islanders, I mean, we had three defensemen that had not played in the NHL. Kasparitis, Baskey, Malikov. All right. All right. And we had, you know, you know, God help him, rest in peace. Tom Curvis is our matriarch. But, and then, you know, a whole bunch of people that we do, we all got put together like the land of the misfit toys. <laughs> and... We were trying to rebuild something that was, you know, a dynasty of the Islanders that was, you know, how do you recreate that? And we did it in in some ways, but but it all started with some great guys, some great leadership, and just a, like a, a vision of um, how do we make tomorrow better than today uh, for our hockey club. And we found a way to do it. So I, I'm really proud of that. that. That was probably one of the best teams that I've ever been part of. And uh, I'm really proud to be part of that team. Especially early on, since you mentioned them, what was it like to be the goaltender behind Kasparitis and Malikov, two guys who didn't know the language too well, especially Vladdy, and two guys with styles, for better or worse, all their own? So the very first time I met Casparitis uh, and Malikoff, uh, we we were, you know, when it, with the Islanders, we would uh, we'd have like a power play and a, a PK, um, you know, kind of a, a group together on the ice before practice. So Al thought it was important we put the PP group together, power play group together, uh, and we'd all work through what we we're going to do. And door opens. And I'm looking at this gentleman who I don't know who he is, but he's wearing Islander stuff. So it's got to be on our team. And he, as we're doing our drill, you know, D to wing to center to, and he comes up to me and stops right in the crease and he says, Hello. There he is, Scott. <laughs> and he puts his hand out. I'm like, Get the F out of here. We're like, we're doing a drill here. Like, who are you? <laughs> I had no idea who he was. And then Malikoff came on shortly after. And it was shortly after that that uh, both those players were on the power play. So it didn't matter whether they met me on that particular day. But, that you know, that was kind of uh, the, the group, right? We were rebuilding. We didn't have Dennis Pot then. We didn't have Langevin. We didn't have the group that created that dynasty. 
we had a new group and we were painting our canvas ourselves. And, uh, and those guys were probably painting the canvas in the biggest way. Uh, but that was the first time I met Darius. That's the first time I met Vladdy. Um, and then it kind of went from there. But Al kept it all together. Whether you were young or old, he kept it all together in every uh, particular way. Never has there been a coach like Al Arbor, the greatest coach that's ever ever been part of the NHL. Did you have any energetic disputes with Al? And how <laughs> did he inform you? You were the you were the goalie of choice most times when it came to starts, especially in the playoffs. But how did he communicate to you that you were going to be the next game's goalie? Well, I would say this. Uh, my nickname was Head Case Healy. <laughs> okay. So Love what it. does that mean to you? <laughs> Uh, certainly not stability. Um, I can recall a game that uh, we had against the Ottawa Senators. Let's let's bring that up because it's really really bad. Uh, they hadn't won a road game in their first year all year long. Owen forty one or whatever it was, uh, and they beat us. Uh, Lori Bosham scored with whatever number of seconds left to go in the game. And I laid there on the ice and I felt sick to my stomach and I thought, oh, not good, right? And decided to go in the room and and do some destruction to the room. Um, and then, you know, kind of the way it works with teammates, all hell breaks loose and Al came in and settled it all down. And that was kind of what Al did. Like he he didn't confront players. He 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 looked at guys and he thought this way. When things are going well, okay, that's fine. I'm gonna put my arm around you, but I'm also gonna stick my foot right up your ass to say, how do we make this better? When things aren't going well, which on that particular night, like the Ottawa Senators, uh, he'll put his arm around you and and really, really make a difference to make tomorrow better than today. And that was Al. Al knew when you needed to be pumped up, to be pushed down, to be prodded, to be pushed in the right direction. And, uh, and that was our team. I mean, we had a great bunch of guys that really, really wanted to make a difference for each other. And um, probably the best group of guys I've ever been part of. That's great to hear, Glenn. And and just when you look at that run you guys went on, you know, in the 93 playoffs, and, and you talk about Alan, what a great coach he was. And obviously you guys take care of Washington. And then you go into this series against Pittsburgh. They, they win the previous two Stanley Cups. You lose Pierre Turgeon to that awful injury. What was the message in the locker room to get the belief in that room that you guys could take down the Pittsburgh Penguins regardless of what they've done before and regardless of the situation that you guys were in? So, uh, you know, you're right. And, uh, uh, like, I, I would be lying if I told you there was a belief that we could beat the Penguins. Uh, they were a dynasty. They were two-time Stanley Cup champs. Uh, but, you know, again, Al sat a chair in the middle of the room, and he turned it upside down and sat down. And he looked at Pat Lally, and he said, 
Pat, could you tie a shift with Mario Lemieux? I don't want you to win one. Just tie it. <laughs> well, of course, you know, Flats, stubborn Irishman that he is. Of course I can. Okay, boom. There we go. Ray Ferraro. Okay, Benoit Hogue. He went down the list. He goes, great. First period is done. Second period. Can you tie a shift with Mario Lemieux? <laughs> Pat. And, and look, it was a long exercise. Uh, but the bottom line was, Al said, game seven, all we have to do is win one shift. Could we win one shift against Mario? And we win the series. Um, what happened? We won a shift against <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins in game seven. David Volick. Thank you very much, David. And, uh, and it was, it was ironic. We sat back and we were sitting in the locker room and I was thinking to myself two weeks earlier, uh, he sat down with the chair in front of the room and I thought, man, this guy's smart. Is he so <laughs> smart? Um, but, but that, you know, that's the way you have to look at it, right? You have to look at that and say, um, we are a good team. Uh, we were in, you know, waters that were like clearly, uh, way out of our element, but, but as a team, we can make a difference and arguably, and, and I would say to anybody who's listening, find me a bigger upset in any mm. playoff series anywhere uh, than that series with us, minus Pierre Turgeon, who was our right. star, who, uh, you know, Hunter decided to hit 14 and a half minutes after he scored <laughs> the like it. series clinching goal in, in, the, in the first round against Washington. Uh, find me another upset that's like that. It, it, it was an incredible upset. And, you know, what was sad, historically, is that Penguins team, they just got dismantled. They were like, oh, you lost the Islanders. Let's dismantle the team. Let's get rid of, you know, player A, B, and C. And I'm like, do you know how lucky we were to win? Keep the team together. We were just <laughs> damn lucky with the incredible leader who was a general of, of what we created on that particular two-week war. Glenn, I'll never forget the stunned look on Scotty Bowman's face when the camera panned to him after the goal went in. It was uh, pretty entertaining for me. But what was that moment like for you after slaying the beast? You slay the Pittsburgh, the mighty Pittsburgh Penguins, Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager. Just do you remember that moment vividly when the goal goes in and you know that you beat these guys? What was that like for you? Well, let's go, let's go back to the third period, okay? So there's three minutes left. And Huey Krupp and um, uh, Lemieux decide to have a stick-swinging fight in the corner. I'm like, okay, here we go. Okay, so Lemieux gets two. You know, Huey Krupp gets two. So I'm looking at the clock going, okay, it's three minutes. And, and I could be wrong. 11 seconds. Three minutes and 11 seconds. I'm doing the math. Because I'm really good at math, right? Because I, <laughs> I went to Pickering High School. So three minutes minus two, that's a minute and 11. I, I'm like, we've won. Like, <laughs> Lemieux, not on the ice, the last two minutes of three. 
wow, this, this, we're we're good. We're up three uh, one, and then you know, then they dropped the puck, and then it, then it became you know three two three three, and then it was like full panic, mm. and we thought, ah, how dare how dare you put the end result before the effort. Uh, okay. So I learned a really good lesson that day, but that being said, uh, it, it was just, again, for us, when, you know, we were playing that series, it was about survival. Like when we iced the puck, we like high fived on the bench, like, <laughs> yes, we iced the puck. This is great. This is fantastic. Uh, but we waited for that one moment, and it was the one moment, and I'm not going to name the defenseman for Pittsburgh, where he took a step forward instead of a step backward, and that created the Ferraro Bullock 2 one But that being said, uh, you know, this is what makes fans want to watch everything we do. Right. Because there is, there is no certainty in what you do. There is there's there's nothing you look at in sports and say it's it's a gimme. There's nothing, and that would be the best example of all for any fan that watches a series, a game, a two week war, and you say to yourself, "Yeah, the Isles can't win. There's no way they can win." Again, now looking at that now, um, I gosh, I can remember the fans. Uh, we we couldn't even park our cars in Long Island. We had to, to get security to get us up. It was just a rejuvenation of the fan base that was a great fan base with regards to the New York Islander fans. Just fantastic. So nothing but great memories about that time and that moment. Ray Ferraro said on this show, Glenn, he had nothing but right across the board compliments and praise for you, as you can imagine. And one of the things that he said was that unlike any goalie he played with, your attitude, you know, two one games or the, the famous game at the Coliseum that went up like 7-5 that the Islanders beat Pittsburgh, that you were just like, let's go. We, keep on, we, we put it behind us. We keep on moving. Was that always your approach? Because you don't hear that about goalies also being at their best when the other team's running it up a little bit. Chris, I lived seven miles from a nuclear reactor in Pickering. Do you think that is my approach? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be my approach. <laughs> yes, it's an eight-reactor nuclear power plant. And, I, like, honestly, as I'm looking out the window now, I could probably see the one that's about 30 miles away called Darlington. That's another eight reactor. Look, okay, let's get away from that and just say, uh, for me, um, statistics did not matter. Goals against did not matter. Look at my stats, and you will understand that. But getting together with a team and accomplishing something that is just so fantastic as a group, that's all that mattered to me. And uh, and Ray was he was such a great teammate. Pat Flatley, I go down the list like you know we had the 49th 
um, year of the New York Islanders, we all got to New York, and uh, I'll give John Ledecky full credit. Brought us all in, and it was like we never left. Every alumni that played for the Islanders, we all, we all came back. The 50th will be spectacular, which is coming up this year. But to hear and to see all the guys and to, and to tell those stories, and maybe that's all we have, but, man, uh, those memories, if that's all we have, I'm good with that. And if Ray has those memories about me as a goalie and I have those memories about him as a, a, a fantastic player on our team, um, I'm good with all that. But that that's kind of the way I look at this, right? You have a short career, you have a long life, and that long life should be filled with those memories and that the greatness that you had in that career with regards to what, the, what, what is going on today uh, with all the players. Beautifully said, my friend. Looking back three decades later, what did your time beyond the Islanders but on Long Island, what did your time on Long Island mean to you? Well, you know, I look at it, it, it it's, you know, kind of funny. I, I, I remember first time, I, I, and again, like people that have never been to Long Island, they maybe make their way and go, wow, this is rather quaint. This is rather spectacular. And I thought that too, right? I thought Long Island, this is just, you know, here we are, we're going to be in, we're going to be in the Bronx. And going to be a bunch of like condos, and away we go. And the very first time I was in Long Island, I drove through there, and I thought, "This place is spectacular! My gosh, you know, rolling hills, uh, trees, just like just fantastic." Um, and then kind of made home there. And honestly, uh, if if not for uh, what had gone on with management, ownership, I don't think I ever would have changed spots. I probably would have been an Islander goalie for the next number of years. Uh, But for whatever reason, um, ownership, money, uh, making decisions, I ended up a ranger. That was like kind of weird because I was like Benedict Arnold to every organization, right? I mean, you, you can never be a ranger and an Islander, can you? You can't. So, uh, I, I loved it. I, I, I thought the Islander fans were so passionate, so awesome. Um, it, and, you know, and we had this structure there with Bill Torrey and Al Arbor. And it was just, it was just so good for me to see that, to learn from that and to make me a better person. And so those times with the Isles, I will never, ever not cherish. They're fantastic. Excellent, Glenn. And to kind of go to the the more fun side of things, uh, away from the ice, you had yourself a little show with Patrick Flatley back in the day. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about the the Heels and Flat show? Tell us about how that came to be and uh, how much fun that was. Well, only if there's the... um, uh, 
you know, if you guys promise not to show any of that, that, that <laughs> was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, Flats and I were like best buddies, like all the way from like almost 17 years old and up. And so here we are, we're stuck in the aisle together, you know, rebuilding, let's make this thing work. And, you know, Kevin Meininger, who's a fantastic producer, says, why don't we do this show? I've listened to you guys on the plane, and you're full of shit. So why don't we just put this on the air? Well, sure, let's do it. We'll put it on the air. Here we go. So here's Flats and I putting this thing on the air, and it, it it's incredible. And I'm, I'm sorry to the Maven, who they've named the press box after, but we usurped them. And the first intermission was Flats and I talking about absolutely nothing. The CFL, the NFL, the three downs, the four downs. We had Flats's house that was getting done uh, but almost like a, this old house by, I, I won't say it because probably not part of your sponsorship, uh, <laughs> but like it was, we it just like that was the first intermission. We just did it because it was fun. We brought fans into the locker room. We brought fans into the, you know, all the areas that were sacrilegious for anyone to go into. And, uh, you know, did it for a couple of years and it's lived like a legacy. And it honestly, it, I had more fan mail about the heels and flat show than I had about when I played. <laughs> and I thought, this is wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm a goalie, right? Like, you know, I'm playing, but all the fan mail was about the heels and flat show. So to make it clear, show was mine. <laughs> I was the guy who carried it, right? Uh, Flash was just a small part of the show. Um, and so, you know, you can have them on the title. You can have them be part of the show. But at the end of the day, it was my show. It's all mine. Um, <laughs> and he will tell you different. We might have to have Flatley on to uh, to oh, verify yeah. that. <laughs> was, uh, you know what? Uh, we are to today uh, best friends. He is a, a fantastic advocate for any player that's ever played the game. He's helped more alumni than anybody. He created the supplemental gifting program that provides seven and a half million dollars to alumni benefits. To their pension. That's all Pat Flatley. Bravo. That's not Glenn Healy. That's Pat Flatley. He did that, not me. So anyone that looks at Flats and goes, yeah, I was just on this stupid show with a big <laughs> fat Scottish guy. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I did all the right things for all the right players that have ever played this game. And Flats created that. He will not take credit for it but i'm here to tell you he did that 700 uh there's probably i'm going to say there's but 200 and there's there's an incredible amount of players that have, have benefited from that 681 guys have benefited from what 
Flats was created. That's awesome. That's awesome stuff, Glenn. And, you know, you mentioned that you ended up on the New York Rangers after that great run with the Islanders, and that was by way of expansion. Not exactly your fault, but you have that great run with the team. You just told us about how much you love the island, how great it was. Were you a little pissed off when, when the Islanders exposed you into the expansion draft and you end up getting removed from that great Islander run? And did Don Maloney tell you, like, how were you informed? All right, so, you know, Chris can jump in anytime and have some balls and tell me what he thinks. But <laughs> um, So we beat the Islanders or the Rangers out that year, like maybe two games left in the year, maybe three. Uh, anyways, it was like yeah. an overtime goal. Uh, we win, yes, and Rangers are done. They're done. And let's let's face it, if you're an Islander, the one thing that is like really in your repertoire is you hate the Rangers. Like that's like inbred. I I I'm from Pickering and I knew it right from when I started. I so, I skipped down the, the the press boxes like through the stands. I, I admit it. I actually like skipped down the stairs to see you guys after Pierre <laughs> scored. That's how happy I was, and that was rare for me. I generally kept it close to the vest. So the game ends. Rangers are done. They're out of the playoffs. Overtime. Islanders win. I go on the ice, no gloves, and I'm flipping the bird to every fan <laughs> in New York, in Madison Square Garden. Okay, that would have cost me, I don't know, 3000 bucks, 4000 bucks, but, you know, uh, we weren't set up for supplemental uh, discipline at the time the right way so fine okay uh and then you know i'm thinking this is you know whatever rangers think we're good uh we got a good young team we're really developing it's gonna be fantastic and then you know ownership does its thing uh, we have our year-end meeting year-end team get together Pat Flatley writes down like my contract demands on a napkin, gives it to the owner. Owner looks at it, crumples it up, throws it at me, and I'm like, ah, okay, I guess I'm not signing now with the Islanders. So this isn't going to be good. Uh, And, you know, off we go, right? So uh, our our group, uh, very tight, we went to Ireland on a kind of a team trip, right, with our wives, just to get away from the year. And uh, and it was at that time that I went from the Islanders uh, to Anaheim Mighty Ducks to Tampa Bay to the New York Rangers, all in a matter of, I'm going to guess, two and a half days. <laughs> say about 36 which. holes, right? <laughs> And I did not have a cell phone. I did not call any team back. And I just kind of woke up one day and Patrick Flatley told me, his mom told me in her Irish brogue, Glenn, you're a bloody ranger. <laughs> I was like, how did that happen? So, um, and that that's how it went down. It just, um, you know, Sad in some ways because I think we're building something really good with the Isles, and uh, but you know, 
positive in a lot of ways because we built something with New York that won us the Stanley Cup. So either way, New York can be proud that we brought that 35-pound trophy home. It didn't make sense uh, back then, and it still doesn't all these years later. We end on on a happy note. Uh, Ray and other people talk about the sound of the Coliseum, uh, the reverberations. Uh, Tommy Love Fitzgerald, oh uh, Tommy yeah. Fitzgerald's shorthanded goal. You know the the, the two, uh, two, yeah. Uh, one two, in, one in particular, yeah. Ray said he thought that the the ice like was levitating. Um, <laughs> what? So leave us with this: the sound, the roar of the Coliseum, the Islander fans in that time. What do you recall? How would you describe it? Well, I remember the the very first game I played against the Rangers, and uh, so I'm sitting in my stall, and I'm sitting in Billy Smith's stall, which is hallow ground, right? That that's Smitty stall. And I'm li- kind of listening to this, like, just like gravitation of, of, of just vibration. And I'm thinking, and uh, Pat Flatley was two down, looked at him and I said, what, 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 what's that noise? Like, are we, are we like taking up the concrete? Like, what, what, what's going on? He goes, oh, no, that's the fans. That was the fans for the Islander Ranger game. And uh, it it was special, like really special to the point when you walked on the ice, low ceiling, metal, um, you knew who you played for. You knew what the crest on the front of the sweater was, regardless of the name on the back. Name on the back, that changes. But the name on the front for Islander fans, that's all that matters. And and I would agree with them. And I would be in bed with them. Uh, but that that was kind of the way it went, right? It was it was that element of that building, low roof, and the, the fan base, yes, there was a moment in time when they were cheated on, you know, bad ownership bad leadership, but all that was not part of my legacy. Um, my legacy was being so proud to wear that sweater and to go out on the ice and to be an Islander and to make a difference. And from the first moment that I kind of came into Long Island, that, that was what it was for me. Um, whether it was, wow, it's kind of a nice place to, <laughs> Wow, there's a lot of good fans here. Wow, this is a loud building. Wow, we have a great leadership group with Al Arbor and Bill Torrey to doing what we did. And to make the Islander fans, which are the most important, fans first, really proud. Well, Glenn, absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, Total pleasure speaking with you. Can't thank you enough for all your time. Uh, Thank you so much and hope you have a great rest of your night. All right. Awesome, guys. All right. Thanks, Seals. I'm so glad you've been back on the island, and we'll see you later this year. Yeah. Go Isles. Here we go. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Love it. Take care, Glenn. All right. That was the great Glenn Healy. Every bit as good as I hoped. 
That's right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York on your favorite podcast providers. I want to send out a big thanks to our great sponsors, Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip, and, of course, the UBS Arena at Belmont. And a big, big thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Check them out. For Chris Botta, my name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night in New York. We'll see you next time.